0: From the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold.
1: Good evening, everybody. I'm the Vernomatic, and welcome to this week's show. It's Thursday night. As always, new content drops. Visit the MetalMayhemROC.com website. There you'll find direct links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever means you use to get your podcasting content, they're there. Download past shows in the archive drop-down box. Leave a review, subscribe. That kind of stuff helps the bottom line. Do yourself a favor and sign up for our email list. This is a weekly update that we send to the listeners. Tell them about present shows, special content you could get, but more importantly, any giveaways that we have. A lot of times we get freebies from record company execs. When we get it, we pass it along. This week's giveaway is a direct tie-in to the, tonight's show. We have Vinnie Apicey of Black Sabbath, Dio, Last in Line. Vinny's on the show tonight because Rhino Records is releasing the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules deluxe reissues. Vinny's here to talk about the recording of the Mob Rules album when he joined the band in 1980 when he took over for Bill Ward. He shares some stories from the tours back then. We get up to speed on what's going on with the Last in Line guys. And Vinny also shares a lot of stuff about his side projects. It's a cool, fun conversation. Vinny's an old friend of the show, and it's nice to catch up with him. We also have another old friend of the show, Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent Metal Walt. If you remember, we did a special with Walt back at Christmas time. Now, Metal Walt's the guy that goes to concerts, bootlegs the shows. He's also a veteran of rock and roll tours. Tons of shenanigans, tons of mischief. Well, Walt's also a Sabbath expert. He is just a well of uh, information. So I'm going to be talking with him in a minute. He's going to tell us about, you know, his interpretation of the Dio Heaven and Hell Mob Rules era. So it's a fun show. Uh, Afterwards, we're going to end the show, and I have some uh, Sabbath music I'm going to share with you. Just want to remind you, Monday nights, the Metal Mayhem ROC radio show is on. Go to the website, click on the link, it's on ThatMetalStation.com. Things have been going well. It's always fun to talk with you people on a live, as it happens, platform. So uh, the phone's ringing. Here he is from New Jersey, Metal Walt. Hey, Walt, how you been, buddy? Hey, I'm, I'm good, Vernomaniac. Things are great.
2: Um, excited to be back on the show and talking about one of my favorite topics, Black
1: Sabbath, something very dear to my heart. Sabbath the Heaven and Hell Mob Rules Deluxe Box Set Reissue. And everything's all reissued these days, remastered, like the first four remasterings wasn't good enough. You know, now it's the pinnacle of remastering. But on a serious note, it looks like they have some, it's a two CD, two LP, whatever format you desire, with bonus tracks, live recordings from around the world, different outtakes on different songs from those sessions. Just recently, Jeff Nichols, the longtime um, keyboard player, released a demo track of Heaven and Hell from some of those early sessions. That isn't on here, but did you hear any of that? Yeah, that was uh, a really pleasant surprise because, you know,
2: I think uh, Jeff Nichols was really the – one of the most underrated support guys uh, through the 80s and 90s under Tony Iommi, and he really didn't get a lot of exposure and credit, but he really was uh, the glue with Tony in terms of songwriting and hanging in there, and it's a shame that he's uh, since passed away, but yeah, what a great thing that this popped up out of uh, his estate, and I think what's amazing about that clip is it's just so real, as you can imagine these guys sitting in. I think what was described as likely the Bel Air Hotel in Los Angeles, just crafting on the song. And um, I think the other thing there, too, is the absence of Geezer Butler, who I believe at that time was uh, maybe going through some personal issues with rehab, and Jeff's standing in there playing bass. So this, this song was essentially written before Geezer ever even came back into the fold, so... Man, just a really
1: cool throwback, and and to hear that kind of as it happened. uh, Man, I would love to hear all of that. I
2: wish there was three hours of those rehearsals.
1: Well, maybe there are. That cassette was found by chance. Like you mentioned, someone was going through his estate belongings, and that was found. So going back to 1980, 1981, that's when the transition Dio came into the band. It's been well-documented. Sabbath, essentially, from the 70s was over. It was a tired act. Ozzy was in some hotel drinking his sorrows away. And as it was, the history of the Dio and Iommi courtship was Iommi was looking for a new singer or looking for a new project and Deal was looking for a new band or a new project. And the common denominator, believe it or not, was uh, a young Sharon Arden, who turned out to be Sharon Osborne. So rumor has it, or legend has it, the two came together in that Bel Air, California hotel rehearsal space. And they just ironed it out and just, you know, got to know each other. What's your take on the Sabbath, the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules releases? What do you like about it? What stands out? Yeah, I I
2: think what I love about it, and again, I think this has kind of been uh, all well documented, but just the sort of the change in the style of the music. I mean, not drastic, but um, away from, you know, the early sounding, um, let's say, sludgy, doomy riffs and into things that were more a little bit faster different tempos a little bit more melodic and I feel, really think that changed um, the whole you know image of the band and to bring in this singer who was you know let's let's be honest he was a, a, a legitimate vocalist um, with also an amazing stage presence and, and just yeah for me personally I mean you know top to bottom on the heaven and hell album I mean to me there's you know you, you could shake the order up of the tracks but there's not uh, a weak track on that album um, I, I think Mob Rules, especially as you get into that one, that just they amped it up even more. There's more variety. I think the sound and the tone on that album and some of the mood changes on some of these songs such as, you know, Falling Off the Edge of the World and Sign of the Southern Cross and even the bit of a blues element on Voodoo is just uh, it's timeless rock. I mean, here these these albums are, are 40 years old and, and, and older now. And you can pick them up and, and put them on. And, and you, for your, if you're a new metal fan, you're going to be hooked right in. So great to know that there's even going to be you
1: know additional remasters and even better quality and additional content to pull from. Now, you, you go back to the debate is many times there's a metal discussion, heaven and hell versus mob rules. And that's been going on forever. But in my opinion, both these albums are under the moniker, just press play. There's not a skip track on either of them. Um, now, there, there is, a, I was doing some show research on this. Iommi has stated in his memoir back a few years ago that the song, the, the song uh, Children of the Sea, they do, he does have a demo version of Ozzy singing it. And it just, um, he was quoted as saying that there was something there, but it wasn't being captured and that was the first song that he brought to the table when him and Ronnie got together. And that was the first song that they they made together. And that's like one of my favorites, The Children of the Sea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that track is just stellar. I mean, that
2: was uh, covered through so many years of the band too on the touring circuit. And again, just talking about the atmospheric where it's got the acoustic beginning, the build up the build-up to the heavy part, the melodies in the middle, the theme, the dramatic ups and downs, the big look out at the end. I mean, uh, again, just the, an amazing track.
1: Well, Walt, this is all fascinating and we could go on all afternoon. And I want to thank you for uh, taking the time and catching up again.
2: That's it. Great. Thanks for having me on and, and look forward to, uh, keeping up the spirit and being on the next time. Thanks. Okay. Keep it heavy.
3: Hey, this is Vinny Apicey from D.O. Black Sabbath and Last in Line, and you're listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Hey! Listen up!
0: Now, get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it! As the Vernomatic and Metal Forever Mark present this week's feature interview, exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC.
1: On the line, direct from Los Angeles, California, a metaler for over forty plus years in the hard rock and metal scene, drummer Vinny Appice. Hey, Vinny, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing, John? We're doing well. We're joined today by brother Mike, right? Yeah, Metal Forever, Mark. He's online Zoom with us at his headquarters. Hey, Vinny,
4: good to see you again. Hey, Mark, how you doing, brother? Hey man, we had a lot of fun with you all when you were here in Rochester uh, almost a year and a half ago now, and it's a lot colder today than it was when you guys were rolling through town. So uh, thanks oh, for uh, joining oh yeah, us today. Yeah. We're we're excited to talk to you.
3: I love Rochester. And in the introduction, I, I sound like I'm a uh, senior metal artist, <laughs> <laughs> heavy metal, a senior heavy metal drummer. There I am.
4: Hurt-o-matic. You should say, up-and-coming drummer in the metal industry, Vinny huh. Epicy.
3: <laughs> just started playing two two weeks ago, yeah. Anyway, I love Rochester. What a great city, and we had fun when we were there, and uh, home of uh, Gene Cornish, right? Yes, Gene Cornish. A house of Guitars, and a lot of rock history.
1: Stevie Gads from here, Kodak, and I believe your better half spent uh, – your girlfriend uh, live here for about 20 years or her family's from here?
3: Um, I'd have to check that out. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> <girlfriend>? <laughs> well, anyways,
1: in any case, it's, uh, it's great to have you on. And we're excited to cover a lot of subjects today. But the, the Last in Line guys are putting together some new material. We're going to cover that. But we want to touch yeah. base on the Black Sabbath Heaven and Hell Mob Rules reissue. That's coming out. Hmm. Um, Give us a little history on uh, why that's coming out now, and we'll touch base on how you got into Sabbath and the wonder three years you spent with the band.
3: Well, I must say that I don't know uh, when, I don't know anything about the reissues i know as much as you guys when you look at it on the internet
5: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing
3: and uh, I don't know what they did. If they remastered it, I'm not quite sure. Sorry, but I don't follow that. Um, you know, my question is, am I getting paid for that? <laughs> okay, well, this leads me quickly to the next
1: question, where was your involvement? Obviously none, because this is a uh, a Rhinos release of the first two. Uh, supposedly, it's a deluxe edition available March 5th with some um, additional cuts and whatnot. So I guess you answer, Hmm. you answer our question that you're not involved with it.
3: Yeah. I'll have to go pick it up at the uh, order it on Amazon probably. (laughs) Well, um,
1: (laughs) if that's the case, maybe we could, um, you know, touch base on how did you get that Sabbath gig and give us a little story about that period? Because I remember as a young teenager going to those shows and loving those two releases, Give us a little insight on the Sabbath days.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't play on heaven and hell, but uh, what a great album. What a cl- rock classic album, but I did play on mob rules. And then after that, the humanizer and uh, it started in 1980. Actually, I was, I was doing some things for Ludwig drums in Chicago and then my uh, wife at the time called and said, "Hey, uh, somebody from... Uh, well, I know what it was. It was before that I went. Before I went to Chicago, and I got a call from Sharon Osborne's office, and she got on the line and told me Ozzy was putting a band together, and uh, we heard about you. We'd love you to fly to England and uh, hang out with Ozzy, see how it goes. And you can play drums or, you know, just hang out, see so if we're compatible, you know." So uh, I thought, oh, wow, Ozzy. And I thought at that time Ozzy was, you know, out of Sabbath. He was drinking. He was pretty crazy. So I thought, let me ask my brother what he thought of Ozzy. And I called my brother Carmine. <laughs> I said, is Ozzy nuts? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. So because uh, he's, he's known him for quite a while. And he said, yeah, he's pretty crazy. So I turned it down. You know, I was young and I uh, just didn't uh, think it all the way through. And I turned it down. And then about a month later, when I went to Chicago, uh, while I was there, my, my wife, ex-wife, said, uh, somebody from Sabbath called. I went, really? All this in one year? <laughs> so uh, when I got home, I called them, and they said, uh, we're in town. We're in the middle of a tour, which is called Heaven and Hell. And they were in Denver playing McNichols Arena, but Bill Ward never showed up. Um, he was having some problems and they had to cancel the gig and postpone it. So they had four days off. So they came to LA to find a drummer. So they got a hold of me. I don't know how. And uh, I spoke to the tour manager. He said, uh, why don't you come down and meet Tony tomorrow or or tonight? I don't know which it was. I said, yeah, that'd be great. And this was in Hollywood. And I went down to the hotel, met Tony and we hit it off right away. And he had one of the albums I did uh, from 1978, the eight, called Axis, which was the three-piece power trio. A really good album produced by Andy Johns. Good drums down and everything. And Tony liked the album. And he walked in with the album, you know, under his arm and uh, we got we hit it off really good and then he invited me to come meet the band tomorrow and uh, you know, have a jam, have it play. So that's what I did. I put all my drums in the car and went to uh, SIR Studios on, uh, where was that? Sunset Boulevard. And that's where we played for the first time. That's the first time I met Ronnie and Deezer, uh, Tony the night before, and Jeff Nichols. And uh, right before that, I heard Neon Knights on the radio, you know, driving in the car. And I, and I thought, wow, that new singer, Dio, he's, he's really good, man. Let's, they sound great, you know, because I didn't follow Ronnie. I didn't follow. I heard Man on the Silver Mountain and Long Live Rock and Roll. But I wasn't a Rainbow fan. But I didn't really follow rainbow or Ronnie. And uh, so two weeks before I hear neon nights. And now two weeks later, I'm down here at the rehearsal with Ronnie <laughs> in the band and they go, what do you want to play? I went, ah, oh, shit. I wasn't a huge Sabbath fan. Uh, I mean, I was a, a fan, but I didn't know every song, you know, I've heard the song. So they go, what do you want to play? I thought, well, that ne- neon nights was pretty straight ahead. I know the, tempo from just hearing it, all right, let's play Neon Knights. So that was the first song we ever played together. I didn't have it down very good, but it was it was good enough to tell if it fit in, you know. And uh, we played a couple of things. I forgot what else we played. And uh, then they said, yeah, let's, let's do it, because they only had four days. So it was only four days to uh, rehearse, and that was one of the days already. So we had to get down to it. Then they were so happy. Everybody went to the pub, and that killed a couple hours. And uh, <laughs> that happened a number of the next day too. <clears throat> we played a little bit, and then everybody went to the pub. I stayed back at the rehearsal with Jeff Nichols, and we went over the tunes and stuff. So, you know, uh, I had to learn a whole bunch of songs real quick. And uh,
1: that period, um, Sabbath, they're headlining. They're headlining the states. Was that? The, oh yeah.
3: Was that the Black and Blue tour with Blue Oyster Cult? No. No, this was, uh, the tour that we were, um, they had four days off was Heaven and Hell, supporting the Heaven and Hell album. And uh, they had to finish the tour, you know, so I came in and uh, that's what we rehearsed for, was that tour. And then when that tour was over, uh, within that tour, we, I think we did the black and blue right after it, you know. Black and Blue Tour, Blue Oyster Cult, and and Black Sabbath.
1: Yeah, there was the fall of 1980, the timeline. There was the black and blue leg of that.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then then during that tour, uh, Warner Brothers asked the band if they wanted to do a song for the movie Heavy Metal, which was that animated Heavy Metal movie, and they agreed to do it. So we had a couple days off in England, and we went into uh, John Lennon's house. That's the house where he shot Imagine, and uh, he lived. And obviously he was passed away by then, and uh, Ringo owned it. So we went in this big mansion in England, beautiful, great. I even got John Lennon's room, but I didn't stay in there because he just got shot. And I was like, uh, I don't know if <clears throat> I want to stay there. I saw too many I saw too many Frankenstein movies when I was young. <laughs> so uh, uh, so we went in there and we wrote and recorded in like a day and a half. The Mob Rules. And that's what kind of cemented me in the band because I was under the uh, assumption that I'm in the band until Bill Ward comes back. That's what I was told, you know, but Bill never came back, made an effort to come back. So the tour went on and on and on. And then we went in the studio, recorded Mom Rules. And it came out so great. Everybody's like, wow, this is fantastic. So that really cemented me
1: wait a second half. rewind you, you just said that you guys wrote and recorded the mob rules in a day and a half
3: yeah You only had a couple of
1: days off yep so um yeah. how much of the what was your input and were those leftover tracks or were they just ideas and no. you guys were that efficient because you know
3: ponies the Tony's a riff master. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And Dio is, you know, he, he's the man too. And geezer, he has his own yeah. wing in the hall of fame himself. So
3: yeah, everybody's everybody's, you know, uh, those three guys have just been doing it for a long time. Know how to make a record. And, and, uh, we, you know, we just started jamming. Tony had that riff and it was like right up my alley, that kind of feel and all that stuff. So it, it just gelled, you know, and then Ronnie has a lot of ideas and so does geezer. And, uh, Before you know it, we had a good arrangement. We had a couple of parts. There's not a lot of parts in that song, you know. Basically, the verses are the same. The choruses are the same. and uh, Then there's solo changes, you know. And and then Ronnie wrote the, the lyrics while we were there. And, yeah, so, man, it was done. It was a mix, but it was done. And then we sent it to get mixed, and it was used in the movie. And then the one I saw on the Mob Rules album—that one we re-recorded in Los Angeles. Same arrangement, but they're two different versions. They played a bit different, just a little bit.
1: Wow, that's that's crazy. So once the soundtrack, once Sabbath, and they're committed to the soundtrack, at that point you probably figured, "Hey, I'm pretty safe in the band." Or were you still looking over your shoulders, wondering if
3: Bill Ward was? Oh uh, no, nah, I back. thought I was pretty. I thought I was pretty safe in the band. It's not the style that Bill plays anyway. The way I played that song, you know, Bill would play it differently. Or I don't know if he'd like playing that feel. I'm not sure. But I just thought, well, this has worked. This has worked real well, and the record company loved it. And it's like, okay, so uh, I think this is cementing me in the band a little bit more. And it was easy to work with. You know, in two days we did it. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're drumming. Um, you know, you definitely have your own style and you bring those fills and that big sound. Uh, Vinny, this leads me to a listener question from one of our Twitter feeds. I put it out there before. This comes from Lindsay yeah. Liu in Fort Lauderdale. She says, ask Vinny, as his tenure in Sabbath progressed, the actual size of his drum set became bigger and bigger. <laughs> was, was this due to the fact that it was the 80s and excess was coming in, or did the Sabbath music lend his drumming to this style
3: of kit? Well, that's a great question, Lindsay. And uh, both of those came into play. And what happened was when I went down to play with Sabbath the first time at SAR Studios in, in Hollywood, I had my little Ludwig drums single-headed toms. I had two two racks and two floors and a couple of cymbals, you know. Nothing really big, but it worked for me. Uh, and when I brought them down in my car, I had a 67 Mustang. You know, they helped me. The The road crew helped me out with them. It was, it was simple. Set them up, but the set was so small compared to four stacks of marshals or Laney's or whatever Tony was using in Geezer's wall or the base amp. So Tony... Tony he said, well, well uh, the set is really small. Can you play double bass? And I went, no, I don't really play double bass, but I'll call Ludwig drums at the time and uh, make the set bigger. And I called them and, and I ordered some aerial toms, which are floor toms turned horizontal above my shoulders. So I could hit them like that. And I did that. That made it bigger. Then I got another floor tom by the hi-hat stand, the rack tom. So it was a little bit bigger. It looked better. And then uh, I started getting into it, and it's like, oh, let's add some more aerial tom. Each tour, more, 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 more. And uh, until I had a giant kit. So it was both the 80s, the excess, and if it looks great with the music, you know. And on the last Heaven and Hell tour, 2009, I had a 21-piece kit. That was over the top. People used to just before the shows, you know, soundcheck. People that were in the venue go, "Can I take a picture of this <laughs> drum set?" I remember. You know, just, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was over the top, you know. So uh, it's Tony's fault that I had the big drum set. But good question.
4: Hey, hey, Vinny, um, it's Metal Fever, Mark. I know you had mentioned that uh, you're not all that familiar with kind of what's going on with this uh, new, I guess.
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com.
4: Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Shows um, included in like these bonus tracks, and they also are claiming there's some unreleased material. Like they have something, list- a-, a track listed sign of the Southern Cross Heaven and Hell reprise. And it looks like they also have some unreleased stuff from it. It was a show at Portland Memorial Coliseum in April of 82. Do you, do you recall what, what some of this material might be and
3: or those live recordings? Well, they were just live recordings, yeah. We, this, this band, the same with Dio, never went in the recording studio and had extra tongs, songs. When we were making these records, it was like eight songs was the max because it was vinyl, you know, or cassette or whatever it was. So we always wrote eight songs and recorded them. We never did anything extra that didn't make the album on all the Sabbath years and all the uh, Dio stuff we did. It's really weird. We never wrote, you know, it wasn't the kind of band that wrote, hey, let's write 15 songs and see which 10 are the best. It's <laughs> Sabbath was Sabbath. They did what they wanted to do, you know. Yeah. So anything
4: that might be listed would be maybe live tracks that maybe officially hadn't been released or like, for example, they cite a track called the mob rules, new 2021 mix. So that could just be some studio messing around with some things to make. (laughs) Yeah. So what what is your opinion? What's your opinion when things like this kind of get released and like, maybe you guys aren't as included or they just get dropped out there. Like how, how does that, like, how do you feel about it as a musician?
3: Well, you know, obviously nobody's going to let me know that they do, you know, something's being put out. It's just, this is the music business. It happens. I got, I have no say in it. So, um, that's just the way it is, you know? So I have to find out more information and, and, uh, and see, you know, what the the deal is. So I'm not signed to the deal or anything like that. So, um, but you know, they're, they're I don't know. I have to check it out. You know, and I haven't heard it. I haven't heard any of the remixes of. You know, there's some great mixes on the original stuff. So sometimes it's better with the original mix than, than the new mix. Or sometimes, it's better with the new mix mixes because technology's a little bit better. So I don't know. I'd have to hear it. But uh, I I found out on the internet as well. You know, oh, this is coming out. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we all
1: love, uh, heaven and hell and mob rules, but let's get up to 2021 and find out what, uh, last in lines doing and, uh, the rest of the band. So how is Phil and Andrew and Vivian what's going on in the LIL camp?
3: Everybody's great. We finished up, uh, we finished up four songs for the new record. We're in the middle of a, of a, uh, a, a new record deal, a new company, the whole thing. And, uh, You know, we were doing good up until all this uh, pandemic hit, you know, and obviously slowed a lot of people down, including us, but we managed to finish four songs and uh, two, two other songs we recorded as well, but they're not finished. And then we have uh, a lot of uh, about six more songs in the can as rehearsal stuff, you know, ideas. And and some of them are are pretty good, uh, pretty good arrangements. So, we're waiting to finish that up. Uh, so everybody's in a different place. I'm in L in LA area. Andrew and Phil are in Vegas. Viv's on the East coast. And, uh, so it's a little hard. We're not the type of band to send files to each other, you know? And I know there's a lot of bands like uh, winery dogs feel the same way. Got to be in a room together. That's where all the magic happens. That's where things, uh, happen and, and the songs are created. So, uh, we did. We're doing that, so we're still uh, working on that. And then we uh, we did a couple of talk shows on our, uh, you know, a live stream. Uh, we did a bunch of those. This ended last year into this year, and people loved them. And then we just released a a, a new shirt idea called a sickness. It was one of the songs on the album, and um, it was a limited run. It just ended, and we we did real well with that. And now we're we're. T- tossing some ideas around uh, <clears throat> with some some new songs, some surprises and stuff. So hopefully we'll, I'm, I'm looking at some offers to go back on the road uh, in October, you know, September, October. So right now you can only go and sign the contract and let's see what happens, you know.
1: You do have a couple of these dates on the website for uh, Pennsylvania. Are those just are those um, going to happen, or are they just haven't been taken down yet?
3: when is it for like November or something no uh april
1: twenty
3: fourth then Oh, I don't know those those might have been put up on the land. you know they keep pushing stuff back, so uh, I have to check that out and see what's up there because uh you know in in October of last year, they're thinking April's going to be open, you know, so let's push it back to April. <clears throat> you know, it just got pushed back and pushed back, and uh, just crazy, you know. We were supposed to play the whiskey in Los Angeles, uh, I think in September, you know. Then it got pushed back to October, then December. Now, I don't even know what, when it's being pushed back to, so. Uh,
1: Has the band thought about getting on board with any of those live streams?
3: No, not really. Um, live streams, do you mean playing together live? Yeah,
1: you know, some... Some bands like Armored Saint, they did a thing from the Whiskey Go go where the band plays oh, yeah. and it and it's streamed on the internet. It's right. like a glorified uh, rehearsal with cameras in front yeah. of you.
3: Yeah, we would we were thinking about doing something like that. But we well we thought maybe we just do, you know, just go in a room, play, have a have a laugh and the whole thing, hanging out and all that shit. So we thought about it but we never did it. I guess that's a little so, different
1: business model cuz they had new product out. It was released in you know some yeah. some bands uh they're caught rock in a hard place. You know, no one knew really what was going to happen.
3: When you do video, you got to start thinking about the scenery, the lights, you know, then we got to get a recording thing down there going on and uh so it's not just an easy thing. You know, the whiskey you have to almost do it somewhere because they have lights there and uh it's it's more conducive to playing live and and loud so hours would have been a different thing more of a rehearsal kind of thing you know but yeah but then we did we, we just didn't follow through with it so we'll see what happens this year
1: so at this point everything's just on hold
3: yeah I, But I've been doing a lot of stuff myself. I've been doing, uh, first of all, I got a a really cool drum show at 4 p.m. Pacific time on my Facebook. And this is sponsored by my drum company. They're called Sawtooth Drums. It's a a new company. My friend owns the company. It's a great company. And uh, every Tuesday at 4, I do a whole hour, maybe sometimes more, sometimes less. And I teach a little bit. I play to some music. I uh, show some rock memorabilia. I tell stories. It's a really cool thing. It's not like one of these boring drum lessons. The drums sound big, big and and loud. It's not, uh, you know, some dead ass sound with in this in a muffled studio. It's, this is rock. It's a rock show. I've watched it. I'm not a drummer, but.
1: I, I follow it and it's, it is interesting. And, you know, Phil has his thing. And like you said, the band's doing these, these, um, the sickness, the, uh, you know, you guys get yourself out there and,
3: you yeah. know. I also got to show up my brother Carmine that we do with Ron Onesta from the uh, Arcada Theater in uh, St. Charles, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Well, well, well-known theater. It's old and everybody knows Ron and we started a show. We did about 30 of them already and it's Carmine and I and Ron's the moderator. And we have all sorts of guests this, this week. We got, uh, myself, Rudy, Saza. Um, I got David Fishoff cause we released a new, uh, his movie rock camp, which Rudy and I are in. And, um, um, so I, we do that every Thursday. We had, uh, A tribute to Leslie West last week with Corky Lang and Bumblefoot and uh, uh, Richie Cotson and uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter. I mean, killer. We got some killer. We had Ted Nugent on. It's really, really, really cool. So that's on uh, four o'clock on Thursday. And that's called uh, Artists on Lockdown. So. Becoming an internet star. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll have all
1: these links right up on our uh, on our show blog for you, and um, you know we can pass that yeah. along. What's the best way? Uh, VinnieAppice dot com is the official site
3: for you. Yeah, VinnieAppice, not Vinnie a piece. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> if I was talking to your brother, and I have to, <laughs> you know, switch up my uh, show notes, but um, oh, yeah, uh, Mark, you got yeah. anything you know want to? ask
4: then before we get out of here come on mark no i, no, I know no it's okay uh, uh well i was going to ask you about your uh facebook live uh drumming stuff because uh, i've checked it out too it's it's super cool but also back to the other um streaming stuff for a reference point um uh, striper recently uh released like a full uh show recording it was to john's point it was around their new album and they pretty much performed it front to back you know, from a from a rehearsal stage, you know, it was really kind of stripped down, you know, not a lot of lights and things like that. But I, I think there are there is a little bit of a shift to maybe some bands doing the like full production kind of thing. But I guess there's always the question of those things are expensive, right? When bring bring the full exp uh, the production in. So um but it, it's great to see that you're you're busy.
3: Yeah, you got when you do something like that, you gotta make a budget, you know, you gotta get a budget. Oh, we need lights, we need sound, we need this, we need that and then put it together and then weigh it out and see, you know, is this this going to be worth doing? Is it going to be good, you know? So it's a lot of work, but uh, there's a lot of ways to do it, you know? And, uh, yeah, so that's why, you know, we're doing uh, little things right now. Hopefully we'll get the album finished. Maybe that'll come out uh, before the summer, you know? And then we can uh, play some dates maybe uh, after that. I don't know. Who could tell? What's going on? What's right? your,
1: what's your gut on that, Vin? And in, in terms of, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but have you heard anything from well, promoters, it, anyone saying anything? Or? Yeah.
3: Pr- promoters want to do it. I mean, I keep getting, <clears throat> I've gotten on um, a couple of contracts just today for, uh, this is in October. It's uh, L- Laconia, New Hampshire on October 29th. I haven't looked at it yet, but, um, The promoters are dying to do stuff. I'm getting, uh, you know, I go to also do a thing, which I did for the last probably five years. I do, uh, I got a band in, in Europe, really good, great band. And I do Sabbath, all the Sabbath music that I played on, a couple of oldies, a couple of Dio songs. And I go around and we play all over Europe. And I did like 25 shows. I did South America and those did really well and we yeah I want to do more of that it's a lot of fun I love it and it's it's easy it's just a four piece band we play smaller places you know 100 200 people and it's it's just a lot of fun so uh, they want to know when I can come over there I said I don't I don't know you know I can't tell you you know what's going to happen I think we need to kind of see what's going to happen this year and then if things start opening up and we book this stuff, you know, because again, you book it, then it gets changed. It's crazy. So, so I love doing that stuff too. And uh, uh, so all around, I am keeping really busy, but, and I do sessions. I got a studio in the house and I've been doing a lot of sessions. I'm working on Jim Crean, who sings with Carmine and I on the drum war show live. And I'm finishing up his album. That's a cool album, really dark and heavy. I'm playing on all the tracks and uh, stuff in Hound, in France. He's the guitar player, uh, bass player on it, also, and writing the songs between all of us and Jim and him and yeah. So, so there's a lot of stuff, and then I do other sessions too. I love doing the sessions too because I mess around here with drum sounds and different mics and all this stuff. I'm becoming crazy.
4: <laughs> hey, hey. So, Vinny. So, just goes back to the where we started the interview a little bit. The questions. Looking back, knowing what you know now. Uh, when you had that decision to either go with you know Ozzy or go in Black Sabbath, and obviously you chose to go into Sabbath, what do you what do you think uh, looking back? Like, did you think you made the right decision, or were you like, man, maybe uh, Ozzy performed better than you thought as a solo performer? Or like, what's your reflection on on that time period again? Looking back,
3: well, I thought both opportunities were great, and the thing, uh, Ozzy obviously kept on top was on top for longer than both Theo and Sabbath at that point. But what I always think about is Randy Rhodes was a friend of mine. And had I joined that band, I might've gotten that plane with them because I was young. Yeah. You, you know, I might've got, Hey, yeah, I'll go for a ride now. Yeah. Shit, yeah. So yeah, with Randy. So who knows what would have happened. And on the day that plane crashed and Randy died, we were Sabbath were on tour and we were stuck somewhere with bad weather, some airport and we're playing arena and it's getting later and later and the flights are canceled. So we had to charter this little shitty plane and ride in two hours in bad weather. The first time we did that all the whole tour and it was bumpy and it was rough and it was like, okay, well, if I die here, I'm dying with a bunch of legends, you know, but We made it, it landed, and as soon as it landed, we found out Randy Rhodes was killed in a small plane like this. so How weird, you know? This wouldn't be a Metal Mayhem
1: ROC podcast if we didn't ask our friends to give us their Mount Rushmore of metal.
0: Many have tried. Most have failed. Only a few survived.
1: This is the Mount Rushmore of Metal. So we're going to ask you, Vinnie Episi, give us your top four Heaven
3: and Hell album or Mob Rule tracks. Um, Heaven and Hell, obviously Heaven and Hell, the song, Neon Knights," and then Mob Rules, and uh, hmm, the, the, the last one could be Sign of the Southern Cross.
1: Four great the four great songs and two fantastic albums. I hope hopefully uh yeah. get a little play out of it. But um but thank you for uh, stopping in today. You know, we do Hey, our, good to
3: talk to you guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we do everything possible to uh, you know, push the word of all your projects, last in line and, you know, the Sabbath that goes
4: without saying.
3: Well, yeah. thank you and, very and much. Vinnie, and uh, I Yeah, I got Mark
4: sorry uh, yeah no before we wrap i was just gonna say i wanted to add uh we wanted to verna matic and i wanted to thank you uh you know when you guys came here about a year and a half ago uh you know you you guys were one of the first bands we actually had uh in our studio and actually we've kind of moved on from that studio a little bit but um you know you you gave us some really positive uh, words of encouragement that uh we really appreciated and have kind of kept us going you know like we like hey it's you know because you know as you know sometimes it's uh you're you're, we're trying to just spread the word and help artists and help bands and um you know we we really enjoyed uh you know your professionalism and being in town and we thought that the show was a real success so just want to thank you for uh you know doing that back then and staying in touch with us and um you know we're 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 really grateful of it so thank you well
3: i didn't mean that anyway back then so don't even (laughs) (laughs) we got it on tape well
4: you know Yeah. And that was after we paid you guys though. So come
3: on. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you guys are moving on. You keep going and we all need to keep going, you know, and actually in this kind of situation with the pandemic, I think music really helps people. It soothes the soul, you know, makes you feel good and, and, you know, metal, especially has got so much energy and so much feel and heart to it. So um, I think that, you know, that's what we have right now, and I think that helps a lot. So, but thank you guys for keeping us going. I appreciate it. Too. Thank you, and, and uh, pleasure to be on. Okay, well, vanna uh, and have a
1: great rest of the winter. And uh, thanks again for stopping in.
3: All right, you guys,
4: take care. Take care. Bye bye. Take care, Vinny. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to tonight's discussion.
4: Any questions
0: or comments, please share with us at MetalMayhemROC.com. Now,
1: we are back. Back to the rest of tonight's show. Minneapolis, Black Sabbath, Dio, Last in Line, and a whole bunch of other cool projects. Again, tomorrow, March 5th, the Heaven and Hell Mob Rules Deluxe reissues come out, extra songs, outtakes, live versions. It's a whole bunch of fun stuff. I encourage you to go buy the physical copy because that's the way you should do it. I want to thank Metal Forever Mark and Metal Walt for joining us on this episode. Metal Forever Mark will be in the studio with me in the next couple weeks, and I'm sure we'll hear from Metal Walt soon enough. Let's see what else is going on. Just want to remind you, Monday nights, the Metal Mayhem ROC.com live radio show is on. Go to the website, click on the link. It's on thatmetalstation.com. Things have been going well. It's always fun to talk with you people on a live, as it happens, platform. Go to the website, download episodes, sign up for the email newsletter, enter yourself into drawing for a free edition of this box set. So that's all for this week. Um, we'll be back next week with some more content. Before I leave, uh, I'm gonna leave you with some uh, Sabbath from this box set. I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC, and as always, folks, keep it heavy.
0: For life. thanks for listening to metal mayhem roc check out our websites at metal MayhemROC.com and metal for information on upcoming concerts podcasts archives and all sorts of info please like follow and share with everyone even your non-metal friends catch us next
6: time on wlfe tv radio